Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Welcome to River Valley. If you're a guest with us, man, I'm so thankful that you are here. Um, we're consider, uh, continuing in a series on money called Perspectives. And so today, and, and the idea, I want to show you how to grow your money. And so I'm going to show you um, the biggest money lesson I ever learned in doing that and what it has meant to my life. And so last week I told you about the first $100 I ever made. I uh, hoed some cotton for my granddad, made $100. I'll never forget what happened after that because really and truly, the conversation that followed was one that I've carried with me all my life. It's probably one of the 10 most influential conversations uh, I've ever had. I think about this often. And so I went home, I showed my dad, look, look at this money. And so my dad said, let's, let's change it. Let's, let's get 10, $10 bills. And so we changed my money. And I'll never forget my dad holding up the very first one on the stack, the very first $10 bill. And I'll never forget my dad saying, this is the most important one. If you will honor God and you will do finances God's way, he will take care of you all the days of your life. And then he said this, he said, Cody, you're a fool if you can believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, but he can't take care of your money. You're a fool. That stuck in my mind, that phrasing. And so I, I changed that money. And I'll never forget going the next Sunday to First Baptist Church, Hereford, Texas. And I gave that first $10 to the Lord. I remember my dad saying, he's going to take care of you. And you're a fool if you don't trust him. So I gave that $10 to the Lord. Really didn't think much about it. Uh, I, I didn't have a regular job back then. So I wasn't regularly giving because I didn't have uh, a regular job. But what was interesting about that is a few months later, the Lord began to work on my heart. And the Lord began to show me uh, that I was sinful without Him. And the Lord began to show me His salvation and what that can look like in Jesus Christ. And a few months after that, I gave my life to Jesus Christ as Lord at First Baptist Church. I was baptized right after that. Forward uh, many years, and I'm a young adult in college at Texas Tech. And I say in college, uh, I was enrolled in college, to be very honest with you. <clears throat> I was, I actually um, disenrolled from Texas Tech before they had the privilege of kicking me out. That way I could say, well, I, I quit them. And so, so uh, I was not living for the Lord. I wasn't living for the Lord in my worship. I was never going to church. I wasn't living for the Lord in my witness. My life uh, was such a, was such a travesty of how I presented Jesus Christ to the world because I was saved. I was not doing anything right, except this is the weirdest part of my testimony. I was still tithing. I tithed even when I was very far from the Lord. I didn't go to church, mind you, so when the plate was passed, I wasn't there. But what I did do is I walked in from time to time to the church office, and I wrote a check, and I gave them a check. I mean, I'm sure the people in the finance office were like, hey, there's that guy that just shows up and gives money. I mean, because they didn't know. I wasn't going to church. But I continued to tithe, because in the back of my mind, I had this say, Cody, you're a fool. 
you're a fool if you're not doing this. And so I was in every area of my life far from God except for my giving. Now, November 1995, I woke up with a hangover. That was every Sunday morning in those days. But that morning I woke up early and God told me, go to church go to church. I knew which church to go to because they had had my tithe for a long time, but they hadn't had my attendance. I went to, I went to church that Sunday, and God radically changed my life again. I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ. I mean, I remember the sermon. I remember where I was sitting. I re- God changed my life that day in the church that I had been giving to for all of my college after four years. And I'm exactly, I think, the opposite of anyone here who is a guest today. My guess is, if you are a guest, or if you're new to Christianity, you didn't come today going, I just need a place to give my money to. I I don't care about the spiritual stuff, I just need to give you some cash. All right, my guess is, most everyone comes and they're like, you know, let's find out about the spiritual things, and then somewhere along the way, God begins to change your heart. I was the exact opposite. I gave... And God drew me in through that. In fact, I wrote it this way. God used my giving to save my soul. In First Baptist and in Trinity in Lubbock, both of those places, I gave my life to Jesus Christ after I had been given. God drew me in. And so I want to talk today about biblical giving. And if you're a guest with us, we don't do this every week, but if you're a guest with us today, I want you to understand that what we're doing in perspectives is I am going to share my testimony with you, and God has been amazing. God has been overwhelming in our giving in mine and Melinda's life and what he is doing. And I'm going to show you how to really and truly change your life in Jesus Christ. Malachi chapter 3 beginning in verse 7. The Bible says, Since the days of your fathers, you have turned from my statutes. You have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. Yet you ask, how can we return? Will a man rob God, but you are robbing me? How do we rob you? By not making the payments of the tenth and the contributions. You are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. So let's talk about the God robbers for a second. The Bible says that there are people, and as Malachi is talking to a nation, he's saying, you are robbing God because you are not bringing in the tithe. The tithe, T-I-T-H-E, is a tenth. That's what it means. That's why it's translated here, the tenth. The word is tithe. And you'll hear us talk about it at River Valley, that we tithe. We give a tenth to the local church so that my house will have food. Now, the tension in the pastor talking about tithing is the reciprocal nature of your tithing. Let's just all acknowledge that. I make my living from your giving. That's the way it is. And so there is a weird dynamic happening right now. You're like, what's wrong? You need, you know, you need a new car. You know, you know, what's going on? Oh, you've been talking a lot about your kids in college. Weird coincidence you're talking about tithing today, right? I get it. I get there's a weird dynamic at play here. Okay, let's just acknowledge that. But here's how it happened in my life. When Mel and I first got engaged, 
uh, in college, and uh, we went to Target. Back in those days, there's no Amazon. We went to Target, and they give you one of those guns, and you could you could click on all the stuff to register. It was awesome. I mean, because you're just like maybe they'll buy this, and and you know you 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 try to do not too much extravagant because you need so much. Um, we Melinda thought we needed way more than I thought we need to be on. Yeah, you know, like dishes. I thought you needed two types of plates. Paper plates and real plates. That's what I thought. Yeah, you know, she no no paper plates, real plates, and super fancy plates. That yeah, you know, so we we registered for all of those. But I'll never forget in one moment, we registered for a bed. And Mel was about to to we were uh, gonna register for a king size bed, and I was like, babe, we can't do that. We have to register for a queen size bed. And the reason is, is that I don't think we'll ever live in a house big enough to have a master bedroom for a king size bed. Now, I don't say that like, oh, poor little old me. I was, I was so thankful that God was going to use me in ministry. But that really and truly was my thought. I, I, you know, I was, I was in a church with a, with a pastor and not making a lot of money. And I thought, we're not going to make enough money to afford a king size bedroom, king size, you know, so that we have that. And so we slept in a queen-size bed for a ton of years. Now, something happened over the years to my queen-size. I grew to a king-size in a queen-size bed. I started waking up in the middle of the night to a pillow blocking me, uh, which is where I couldn't scoot over or spread out. Also, I couldn't breathe on her. I couldn't snore as loud. And so we we were starting to feel that pressure. And so several years ago... Uh, by the grace of God, we switched to a king-size bed. It was great about it is we switched to a king-size bed in a king-size house. Like, we have a great house. And I say all that to say, thank you. Those of you who are giving right now, I want, I, I truly, truly, I am blessed beyond my wildest measure of thoughtfulness of how God would provide through the local church to us. Our staff is well paid. We are doing great financially. We are not watching offerings like, I hope, you know, like God has really blessed us and it has really blessed me. And so I want to say to you, you have so surpassed my expectations in ministry and I'm truly grateful for your giving. Thank you. Now, that being said, the Bible says that we ought to bring the full tithe into the storehouse, into the local church, so, so that my, there is food in there. Now, the people say something interesting. They say, but how do we rob God? He says, you're robbing me, and they don't even know how they're robbing. And so, how do we rob God? It's ignorance. See, stupidity and ignorance are very different. Ignorance is you just don't know. You don't know any better. Have you ever been stopped by a police officer and thought, why is he stopping me? I'm not speeding. And then all of a sudden he says, do you realize you were going 87 in a school zone? Oh, whoa. And then what do you say? I didn't know. Well, what does a good police officer do? Well, that's fine. Then, oh, if you didn't know, speed away. They're just school kids. Yeah, you know, I mean, does he say that? No, no, no. Your ignorance does not affect the outcome because you should have known. You should have known. And so the whole nation didn't know. So my guess is, some of you, this is new information for you that you should tithe to the local church. But my guess is also, 
let's, let's be honest. It's probably not in this service. This is probably a much godlier service than, than the next service, right? <laughs> so those people need to hear it. But my guess is in the next service, okay, that there are some people who knew that and for, they've got a million different reasons for why they don't tithe. From theological reasons to, to, to financial reasons, we can't afford it, all of those. And, and for a long time when I preach about finances, I'll go through those a lot of times. And here's, here's what I've heard people say, and here's what, you, you, you know, and I'll, and I'll just answer those. And I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm just going to read the Word of God and let it stand for what it says. Here's where Malachi is written to. Malachi is written to the entire nation of Israel. A pronouncement to the entire nation, he writes. And then he says, and you're not tithing. In other words, you are stealing from God, regardless of the circumstance. You can have it however you want it. You can, some of you maybe justify it the way that you want. But the reality is God is saying, look, I am telling you that this is a pronouncement for the entire nation, that we ought to do these things, that we ought to be these type of people so that we are not taking God's money. Now, one thing that you need to understand about giving that, that's not in this text, but that's throughout the Bible, let me show you Proverbs 3.9 is a, is a good example of that. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. That word first is the critical. We give first. When you give, you give first. So in other words, the reason, part of the reason that I'm preaching this sermon is so that as you come into the first of the month, many of us get paid on some kind of a monthly scale, you'll have the opportunity to respond to this, and as you are paid to give first. I give first. We give the very first check that we write, or the very first uh, way that we give, however that is, to the local church. And then he's, he's going to say in verse 10, and we ought to bring the full tithe into the storehouse, the full tenth. So, so here's the way I wrote it. We, uh, we tithe by giving first and full, not last and partial. Not last and partial. I'm going to show you how God opens up the floodgates of heaven, how God, how God truly, truly blesses you in your life. But you've got to get that part right. You've got to give first and full, not at the end if there's any leftover, and then just whatever is left over. You are trusting God on the front end with your finances in this way. And then he says this, you are under a curse when you don't do this. The whole nation, because no one was tithing, you are under a curse. Part of the reason is the tithe goes into the storehouse so the, the priests weren't being paid. You read about their worship in chapter 1. It's horrible. Their, their nation is in shambles at this point. They are out of control. Their worship is non-existent. And he says, you're under a curse. Now, part of why I want to do this today is I want to show you how to live a blessed life. And when we choose to dishonor God, when we choose to not give to God what he's asked us to, he says we're under a curse. So what do we do with that? Well, the first thing is when you sin is you just acknowledge to God, you know what? I'm sinning. Here's what I'm doing. So here's what I want to give you the opportunity to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. This is between you and God. But this is a righteous moment for you. If you are a God robber, if you have been either through ignorance you didn't know or through willful decision that you probably justified in some way, 
I'm just going to challenge you to acknowledge that to God. I'm not going to ask you to acknowledge that to me. But be real to the God of the universe. He knows and you know. You can't fool either one of you. Be honest and just tell him, this is what I have done. For those of you who are biblical tithers, thank you, thank you, thank you. Pray that God would break through this morning. Thank God that someone taught you this lesson. Father, we confess to you. We want to follow you. Amen. So these are the God robbers, and here's the return that he says. In verse 10, he says, Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, and test me in this way. So he gives them a word picture here. So he says, he says, God never changes. In fact, he says in verse 6 of Malachi 3, he says, I never change. In other words, I am steady, I am resolute, I am still. But he says, we change, and we choose to kind of start walking away from God. And if you're, in the, if you're watching at home right now, you're starting to see me get out of picture. You're starting to see me get in the shadows over here because that's where I'm, I have to stand. They put me in a cage, y'all. And so I have to stand right there. But, but we choose and we, we, we just make decisions little by little as we make money. and We don't tithe and we choose. And then the word picture is, look, I have not moved. You have. So what do you need to do? Return to me. Return to me. It's the word picture. So when we, when we take from God, he says, look, let's stop that. Let's return to God. And uh, for me, one of the easiest things, you see it every single Sunday, one of the easiest ways to do that, my guess is, is that there are some of you here who have a heart to give, but don't have a good system to give. So you catch yourself going, I didn't give. You know, and it's the end of the month and you don't have any left over. Every single Sunday, we put up this slide on our giving. I want to encourage you to use that first one, myrivervalley.church slash give, and to set up giving. It, you can set it up however you are paid. It is super easy, even if you're paid uh, sporadically, like you're a salesperson or your business person uh, who only gets paid cer uh, you know, certain times during big seasons, things like that. You can set that up, and it's super easy. It's the best way that we have for you to turn your intentions into actions. So I want to encourage you to do that, to turn your intentions into action, because no, most of us don't get paid every week, and if we get paid every week, most of us aren't here 52 weeks out of the year, but it really is a good way for you to return. And then he says the most amazing things. He says, test me in this. God says, you can test me in this. Most of the Bible, he says, you better have faith in me. But this part, he says, you can test me and watch. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show you how he's going to show up in a second. You can test me in this. So when I gave my life, when I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ, my life changed drastically. I went in one week from having keg parties in my house to having Bible studies. I went from uh, law or just, just worldly to witnessing to people and winning them to Jesus. And then, and then all of a sudden, I started thinking, I, I, I feel like I want to do this all the time. Like I want to tell people about Jesus all the time. I'll never forget, I was working with a man, and he says, my, my uh, dad is a, is a Baptist preacher. And I was like, do you think I could— meet with him at some point. And he said, I, I think you would love to do that. 
And he met me at the kettle in Lubbock, Texas. And I began to say, like, I think I might be called to be a preacher. But I don't know what that looks like. And he said, well, I'll tell you. He said, here's what you're going to do. He said, you're going to go enroll at Hardin-Simmons University in Abilene, Texas. I was in Lubbock at the time. I thought Texas Tech was, expens- was expensive, and I had tremendous amount of student loan debt from Texas Tech. They call it student loan, but really it was a party loan, and it was come due. And so, so I had spent my life, and I had all of this student loan, and now I'm going to go to Hardin-Simmons, and it's like three times the amount of money. And I was like, this, is, this makes no sense whatsoever. I couldn't afford it here. Now I'm going to go to this more expensive place. And he said, I'm on the board of trustees. Just walk in, tell them I sent you, and tell them don't worry about the money. I'll handle it. And I was like, well, that sounds like a good idea, right? So I just walked in and said, hey, boy, seven, six. And uh, you need to let me into your school and don't worry about a bill. Well, they were worried. I, I mean, they, you know, evidently their faith was not that great. I mean, you, you know, Baptist, uh, you, you know, so <laughs> that's funny. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> so, so I, but I just, I didn't know any better. And so they, they brought me into a special room for special people. Uh, and, uh, and there was a man there and he said, look, he said, He said, I don't think your mentor understands. He went to school here 40 years ago. This is an expensive school. And for him to say he's going to cover your education, he said, you'll be lucky to get $500 or $1,000. Now, test me in this. I hadn't been living for Jesus for many years, but I had been tithing. I had always tithed. And I remembered my dad reading me this verse, and I remember that pivotal conversation, and I remember just testing the Lord. And I looked back at that man, and I said, God sent me here, and I can't afford it. So if God sent me here, and I can't afford it, then God's going to have to pay for it. That's what I told him. And I graduated two and a half years later without ever paying anything at Hardin-Simmons. God paid for all of my education. God slowed me down one semester just enough to marry a wife because he was like, that boy needs help. And so I got, I got an education. I got, I got a wife. Uh, I got, a, you know, my mom, my mother-in-law's here today. I got great in-laws. I got the whole package, baby. It was awesome. God says, test me in this. You know what happened? I went to, I went to seminary. And I paid whatever I could along the way, but I still couldn't pay for very much for my master's degree. God paid for my master's degree. God showed up. When you show up in God's finances, God's way, he says you can test him in those ways. Now, the way I had to repent was specific. Most of you, or some of you, excuse me, that's a better word. Some of you need to repent in how you're handling the first 10%. I had to, I had to repent in the way I was handling the last 90%. I was not spending money well. I wasn't doing that. And so I had to really repent of that. And I want to help you in all of it. It's all God's money. It's all important. And so tonight at 530, we're going to have a focus group. And tonight at 530, I'm going to teach you biblical finances. We're not talking about the first 10% because we already talked about that this morning. We're going to talk about the last 90%, and I'm going to help you understand biblical finances. We'll go about an hour. I've got notes for you. I've also, uh, once you're here, I will send you electronically some really helpful things to help you along the way. And uh, I really and truly believe that if you're brand new in finances all the way through, you are a very astute financier. 
financial person, I believe that I can add value to everyone in that group, every single one of you that come tonight. I truly believe I can add value, whether you're brand new, you're retired, you've been living for the Lord for a long time or not at all. I can, I can really help you as my, as my goal because I had to repent and learn how to do this, and God has taught me some amazing things. And so I want to help you to do that. That's tonight, 530, no charge for that. We want, I want you to be a part of that. And that was my repentance so some of them, or excuse me, all of them were robbing God. Maybe some of us are robbing God. But then he said, I want you to return to me and bring the full tithe into the storehouse, and you can test me in this. So I'm going to invite you right where you are to bow your heads again and pray. When's the next time you get paid? Will you give God first and full? Will you repent? If you've not been spending wisely, some of us we know how. Some of us we kind of, we don't really understand. It just says, you know, major debt or things have snuck up on us. Ask God to help you. God, I don't want to live this way anymore. Father, help us to return to you financially. Amen. So here's what he says he's going to do when we give. Now, I want to make sure before we under, look at these blessings, this is, this is the blessed life. I want to make sure and understand motivation for giving. I have heard this, this sermon out of this text, and I've probably preached it uh, uh, too much in the sense of um, you give and God's going to show up and God's going to bless you. You do not give to get. You do. I am not asking you he is going to show up and he's going to bless you, but I'm not asking you for your motivation to give to get. That sounds like Christian pyramid scheme. All right, that sounds like me going, look, if you'll start tithing, you'll get three of your friends to tithe. Uh, you know, that my kids can pay for their college. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't you be blessed to know that my kids, right? You, you know, that kind of thing. So, so please, please don't, don't hear me say that. We, the motivation is not giving to get. The motivation is number one, holiness, that he says we are stealing from God. God, that we, we want to not we want to not be doing wrong but in the number two gratitude we are so thankful to God for what he has given us he has given us so much and we return to him what he has asked and so that's the motivation but once he does there are so many verses like this in the Bible he says I'm going to bless you when you start to give this is what he says he says, in, uh, he says, test me in this. And then the second part of verse 10, he says, see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not ruin the produce of your land and your vine uh, and your field will not fail to produce produce, says the Lord of armies. Then verse 12, he says, then all the nations will consider you fortunate for you'll be a delightful land, says the Lord of armies. He says, I want you to give and be righteous, and because of that, I am going to bless you. This is how to live a blessed life. Now, this is not an isolated verse, by the way. Remember earlier when we, when we read Proverbs 3, 9 that says, uh, bring the first of your produce into the storehouse? Let me show you Proverbs 3, 10. And a lot of other places it said this. Then he says, will you do this? Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Throughout the Bible, God shows it is not the motivation, but it is true. And he says it a bunch of times, I will bless you when you do biblical finances my way. 
I will show up. And specifically in this text, he says three. He says, first of all, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing on you without measure. So in other words, I've had people go, is that the blessing? You never have to ask, is that the blessing? It's overwhelming. It's not the blessing when you go through the drive through and you ordered a medium fry, but they accidentally give you a large fry. Woo! Yeah, you know, like, God, thank you. All right. That's not the blessing, okay? That, that's not what it is. It's overwhelming. You will know. You will know. So, so I continue to tithe throughout my life. I continue. Mel and I continue. We started out, we had, we had a tithing talk when, when we were dating, and she was tithing as well. And so just, it worked out fine. And, and we continued to tithe. And then when we came to River Valley, uh, man, we really upped our tithe, and we really upped our offerings to, to our church because there were so many needs, and God was blessing so amazingly at this place. And uh, when God opened up, one of the floodgates that God opened up in our life was, let me show you a picture. These are my children back when they were cute. Uh, so... Livy's still cute to this day. Uh, so, and so this is Olivia and Creed. And I chose this picture because it, it's, it's a specific time. They're, they're, they're children at River Valley at this point. And this is a specific time in their life. The time is this. Livy, when she was just a little bit younger, this, this picture, came to Mel and I and she she started asking questions, and, and we were at River Valley at this point. Hadn't been, there very, hadn't been here very long at all. And Olivia gave her life to Jesus Christ as Lord when Olivia was baptized. And then a few years later, I was preaching a sermon, and Creed uh, prayed at the end of that sermon at River Valley and gave his life to Jesus Christ as Lord. My number one prayer for my children was always that they would accept Christ early in their life and live a godly life the rest of their, day, rest of their days, and that Mel and I could be there to be the ones to lead them to Jesus Christ. That was our—and both of them, it happened, and both of them, it happened at River Valley. So I want to say this about our church. God used your giving to save my children's souls. God used your giving, our giving, to save my children's souls. My kids got saved because of the giving at River Valley. We wouldn't have lived here. We wouldn't have been, Creed literally got saved on a Sunday morning because of the giving. Thank you. Thank you. And it has made all the difference. Man, they are both, they're both living for Christ. They're doing well. I am so thankful. Olivia especially, it's, it's crazy. Our church in the early days, you need to know something about our church in the early days. We started out with just preschool, just zero through four, I think. And so if you were five and beyond, there was nothing special for you any time, including Sunday morning. You just went to services like everyone else. Livy, when we started adding things, well, then we had five, then we had first and second grade, those type of things. But Livy was always on the front end of that. There were whole years of Olivia's life where she had no, no targeted ministry to her. 
She had nothing for her age group for years in River Valley throughout her life. Whether that be a student ministry, fifth and sixth grade, children's ministry, she was on the front end. Yet God used our giving to be faithful. And she loves Jesus. She loves our church. She had a wonderful church experience, still talks well of it. God used our giving to save my children's souls. I would say me dying today and not having to worry about my, etern- my children's eternal salvation or, Lord willing, one of these days, my grandchildren's parents, my children, leading them to Christ is absolutely opening the floodgates of heaven for me. I'd pay for that. I'd pay for that. God has opened the floodgates of heaven in our family because of that. So God used our giving to save our children's souls. Next he says, I will rebuke the devourer. I will rebuke the devourer for you. He's talking about a a farmer. So think about this. My granddad was a cotton farmer. and Many times he actually had, he was hailed out. So hail came and, and totally destroyed his crops. But there's crop insurance. And, and, but can you imagine in these days having no crop insurance and losing an entire year's wages? How crazy is that? It's unbelievable to lose everything. And God says, God promises specifically the devourer, whether that be a locust coming in or a hailstorm coming. He said, you will not lose everything. I, I was taught this wrong in the early days. I was taught this wrong. I was taught that this meant that, that basically that everything that you had, God was going to make last better and longer. And basically, um, almost like you would never have financial problems. But when you see you know, my kids' pictures, it, both of them had to have braces. I was like, well, God, you know, why do I have to pay for braces? We're a tither. You know, one of the things, the, my, the thing that I hate buying most in the world is tires for my cars. I hate that because no one ever walks by my car and go, new tires? Well, yes, they are. I mean, you know, like that never happens, all right? It's just, I hate it. But, but, you know, and so if God would just make them last forever, I'd be like, you know, those tires got 400,000 miles on them, you, you know, like, and they look brand new, but that doesn't happen either. So he's not saying, God is not saying that you will not face financial difficulty when you tithe. He is saying you will not face financial destitution. I will not let the tither go under. I will not let you starve to death. I will not let you lose everything. There have been moments in our life where it's been very, very close to the wire financially, even though we were tithing. That has happened many times. But God has always proved crazy faithful in unbelievable, weird, way, wonderful ways, I guess a better way to say it. Man, he's never, he has rebuked the devourer in our lives, and we are going strong, even though some tough financial times. The last thing he says, he says, the nations will consider you fortunate. The nations will say that you are a blessed or a delightful land. When we first started praying in services, and I I knew that God was wanting us to do that, and it felt very spiritual in nature. I already knew that I was going to do this finance series, and it felt kind of a little bit out of place. Honestly, I was like, shouldn't we preach? Shouldn't I preach on prayer? Shouldn't I, you know, something a little bit more spiritual? But man, God has, has shown me so much. And one of the things he's shown me is how we're going to end up this morning, that we can be a delightful land. 
is the idea of the world around us, our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors, looking at us at River Valley, looking at the believers who go here and going, I want that. They are a blessed people. They are fortunate. God, give us favor. This is favor in the world. This is when you go out and you invite people church like Ben talked about this morning them going I've heard about that somebody else invited me I've, I've always wanted to go or or I drive by all the time you know and I, I see the building like there's a connection there and then they come and we are a fortunate land God God has opened up the door supernaturally how through our giving that he says you will be a delightful land you will have a reputation in your community you will have people saying that's, there's something there that I want, and they'll figure it out really quickly. It's our God. We got great music. We got good, uh, great uh, children's ministry. So many cool things happening in groups, but it's our God that really shows up in all of this. Now, this is the only sermon that I can preach with integrity. This is it. The tithing sermon. See, when I preach on prayer, I have to tell you, I for a long time was a prayer weenie. I was horrible at prayer. I'm getting better, but I was a prayer weenie. When I preach on marriage and how the husband should act to the wife, I purposely don't look at Melinda. Uh, I mean, because, because she's like, hey, you need to be looking at your own notes there, mister. Yeah, you know, like, I, I mean, I've not done it, you know. When I preach on child raising, sometimes my kids are like, you never did that. You just yelled. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, you shut up, all right? Yeah, you know, like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, have, I'm not batting a thousand in any of those areas and in all the other ones. But this is one area. This is me telling you right now. I'm telling you, remember when Ben read it the first, follow those who are bringing the word to you. I can preach this sermon with integrity. I have always given. I'm not for sure in the early days I didn't miss one or two, some along the way. I, I don't know. But I know for sure that as long as that I have been living for the Lord since November 1995, and my dating with Melinda and my marriage with Melinda. So you're talking, you're talking 27-something years in all, of the, in all of this time frame. I can say with integrity, I am doing this. And I'm doing it well. And I'm telling you today to invite you into what I'm experiencing, which is a blessed life in Jesus Christ. Do not let your cynicism take over at this moment and say, He just wants our money. That's not what's happening. That is someone telling you a lie. The truth is, I'm inviting you into a blessed life, and I've shown you how. I want you to experience it. God has been amazing, amazing in our finances, and I want you to have it. Let's pray. You've confessed. And you've decided for next week, if you're going to repent and to start returning to God what is rightfully His, and that you can test Him in this. Now, I want you to ask God, God, open up the floodgates of heaven. Some of you, the floodgates might be that I can't live off 90% of what I make. Like, it's, it's mathematically impossible. 
I've gotten myself in a, in, a, in a bind. I've made some bad decisions, so I have no margin in my life. And I'm, you know, one major car uh, repair away from basically having to put it on credit cards. Or I've already done that so much that I can't put anything else on credit cards. And God is saying, if you will return to me, I will open up the floodgates of heaven. I think more so, though, we are way short-sighted if we always think about money for this blessing. Money will come and go. Our life will be over. Spiritual blessings. People coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We had a prayer time this week for some for the lost. And a lot of those prayers were for was for lost relatives. Was for people who weren't living for Christ in our families. God open up the floodgates of heaven that they may see Jesus turn and repent. Some of you need to hear that God says, I will rebuke the devourer. You're scared to death. You are living in fear that if you do this, you'll go under. In the words of Gary Whitful, my dad, you are a fool to think that Jesus can raise or that God can raise Jesus from the dead but not believe that he can help you in your finances. Trust Christ. He will rebuke the devourer. He promises. Finally, that we will be a delightful land. That the nations, the lost, the people around us will look at us, call us fortunate. God, as we invite people for Easter, Father, have, give us favor in this community. Pray for those who you know who are in this community that they will come to faith in Jesus Christ. God, thank you for all that you give. Thank you for allowing us the privilege of giving back to you. So just a, even a portion of what you've given to us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.